0: Hey, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. You're listening to show number 91. My guest today is Heather Crosby, the founder of YumUniverse.com and the author of Yum Universe, which is uh, subtitled Infinite Possibilities for a Gluten-Free, Plant-Powerful, Whole Food Lifestyle. Right on. So uh, in our conversation, I found out that, uh, that Heather has not always been a, um, a paragon of health She grew up eating the standard American diet, lots of fried foods, lots of very fatty foods, processed foods. And at one point in her young life, she found herself in poor health and was going to be on meds for the rest of her life. And she decided to take her health into her own hands. And through a series of uh, lucky accidents, she discovered the plant-powerful lifestyle and started eating vegetables, had a salad for the first time in her 20s, eliminated dairy, and noticed a profound cascading effect. The thing was, though, this was in the the late 90s, um, plant-based food, vegan food, really hadn't come very far. There was still this image of sort of the hippie restaurant where you got your steamed broccoli and brown rice, and dessert was, you know carob flavored chocolate substitutes. And it was kind of a grim landscape for someone who really enjoyed food, who was a real epicure. And so Heather jumped into the breach. She was a, a designer, a creative person, an artist, a traveler, um, a, a vivacious soul. And she thought, well, why can't plant-based food be as exciting, as beautiful, as appealing, as the food that she grew up with. And that has been her her life mission ever since. And so at yumuniverse.com, she's got tons and tons of recipes and t- lots of advice. And in her new cookbook, Yum Universe, which is more than a cookbook, it really is a guide, um, as well as having tons of recipes it's also a guide to transitioning from wherever you are. And so in our conversation, we, we cover her own uh, health journey, we talk about how a car accident really put her on the road to uh, to recovery and to health, as ironic as that sounds, and lots of advice for anyone who's trying to transition to a healthier lifestyle. So without further ado, Heather Crosby, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Howard.
0: Yeah, so I got your copy of Yum Universe and my first... Um, response and just picking it up is it's, it's actually quite a heavy book for its size and it's, it's kind of <laughs> kind of glossy and like very beautifully done well
1: thank you it's pretty dense i packed a lot in there as much as i could
0: <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's probably a lot of fiber <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> definitely
0: but yeah quite i mean <laughs> quite heavy and there's color photos on pretty much every page. Like this is, Mm -hmm. this is not a casual book. This really is a a feast and a guide for someone to -hmm. to move to what you call, I guess what you call a plant powerful lifestyle.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it. I wanted to make sure that every page was enticing and exciting to read, because there is a lot of information there. So yeah, I wanted to get lots of photos and color and have it kind of represent the diet itself, have every page kind of feel like the diet itself.
0: Yeah. So I, what I usually do before an interview is I'll, you know, s- several days in advance, I'll go through the material and then I'll just sort of brush up right before the call. And I was mm-hmm. like two minutes late to this call because I got stuck okay. in the dessert section. <laughs> oh, <And> it
1: happened.
0: <laughs> I, I, I was actually, you know, like making a list in my mind of what what I was going to be, be trying from the cookbook. Start Starting with the... Um, The brownies, the sweet potato, black bean, chocolate brownies.
1: Oh, yeah. I love sneaking veggies into brownies. So, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one to start with. Good choice. Of
0: course, my mistake was, you know, I mentioned this to my son. I said, would you make me something? He's like, what? It's like, brownies. He says, okay. I said, it's got beans and potatoes in it. He's like, now you make it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, just make sure he tries them because I think he'll be pretty surprised how good they are. he,
0: He will as long as he doesn't know. Okay. <laughs> so I'll i now. I have to wait a week until he forgets <laughs> about the conversation.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: so, what, one thing that struck me is as I was starting re- reading the book is you begin by talking about the courage that's required mm. to go on this journey. Why did you start with that concept?
1: I just—I guess I just remember how alone I felt and overwhelmed I felt when I started out, and. Being courageous and confident in your decision, I think, is a really good starting point to build on because you're going to build on. There's lots you're going to be adding to the journey, but you have to start from a place of feeling good about your decision and just and and good enough about it that you are confident to move forward with it.
0: Right. So now you you tell your story a little bit, and I'd love to mm-hmm. um, ex- expand on it in the, in our in our chat. Um, mm-hmm. That re- really, it was a series of uh, of health crises mm-hmm. that led you yeah. to to start questioning the the diet that uh, you had been taught and everyone around you was eating pretty much.
1: Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely it. I was raised on you know typical standard American diet, a lot of canned and packaged food, a lot of meat, a lot of dairy, and vegetables were really only ever frozen or from a can. Um, so my palate just didn't know what to do with anything else. So I ate that way for a really long time and just started getting really sick, especially in my early twenties. I mean, I spent my childhood, you know, always having strep throat and on antibiotics all the time and just, you know, sick all the time as a kid, you know, colds and flu. But when I was in my twenties, I started having more serious issues and having tests done and and no one could really tell me why it was happening. And I wanted to know why, so I could fix it for good instead of just taking, you know, meds um, to put the band-aid over it. I wanted it really the problem solved. And it just kept going on I was having all the tests and no answers. And I just finally decided once I was told I was gonna be on meds for the rest of my life that I needed to turn the ship around myself. So I just started doing research and, you know, pretty much just using myself as a guinea pig to try out new approaches to food and that involved vegetables, which was pretty scary for me because I never really ate vegetables. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> yeah, you, you grew up on a farm, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up on a horse farm in, in Maryland.
0: Okay, so, so there was no other, it was, it was just horses, it wasn't um, livestock or, or um, produce.
1: We did have, no, we did actually have a pretty substantial garden, but the way my family cooked was very comfort food focused. So everything was deep fried and battered, and um, not really ever fresh. Like I didn't really eat a salad or want to eat a salad until I was, you know, 19 years old. So.
0: right, and you, 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 and I share one vegetable trauma, which is lima beans.
1: <laughs> oh, lima beans! They make my eye twitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can, you, can you eat them now? I, I, I find them. I, I like them when I eat them, but I still have this visceral like they were so like mealy. <laughs> Yeah, excited.
1: they're just so pasty or something. You know, I haven't, I can't, I don't think I've eaten a lima bean yet. I've gone and eaten everything else that I said I would never eat as a kid. And I think lima beans are the final holdout for me. I'm not opposed to it. I would do it, but I just, I haven't made the effort to eat a lima bean
0: since. <laughs> mm. Well, what, what what helped me was discovering baby lima beans.
1: Okay, are which, they a little sweeter and less starchy? Yeah,
0: maybe? yeah, they're okay. more like sort of edamame.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Um, and you know, right. I, I try not to think about plant cruelty about eating all those little baby lima beans. Right,
1: but, you know. <laughs> I'll have to give it a go. <laughs> yeah, so, let me know. All right, I will.
0: So, so one of the things that that, that struck me was that you, you're you had all this sort of declining health and all these issues. But it was sort of you know you, you quote someone in in the book says that you we know, we don't um, catch disease we build it or we construct it and mm-hmm. that,
1: over time Megan Kelveiner probably
0: mm-hmm. yeah and that's and that's what you were doing and yet it was oh a a moment that kind of helped shift everything from you yeah you got you got run over by someone trying trying to score in a lucky <laughs> spot right.
1: That was definitely one of the big dominoes in, in my, in my trail there. I did, I was jogging and I got run over um, jogging on the streets of Chicago. Cause I lived there for about 16 years before I decided to move back to the country. Um, and it was pretty traumatic. Thankfully I didn't break anything, but it was a pretty substantial crush injury to my foot. And I, I couldn't, it, I had a limp for about six months. I couldn't get rid of it. And one of my cousins recommended that I go to an acupuncturist and And give that a try. So I did. Um, I was a little skeptical at first, but she started talking to me about how healing involves the entire body, not just my foot. I was so used to just targeting the symptom. And she was talking about having to heal my entire body. And she also started talking to me about eliminating dairy. And it just didn't connect for me that eliminating dairy could help heal my foot but I gave it a try and, and followed all of the other things she suggested, and my, my limp went away, and I now run all the time and very athletic, and it just was amazing to me to have her connect the dots for me like that. Um, so it also helped me build the belief in, in the, just the healing power of food and what it, what it can do for you.
0: All right, now, so most acupuncturists and folks who do Chinese medicine that I'm familiar with are mm-hmm. are really into like meats as a healing food. Mm.
1: Um, so, yeah, she was not. so
0: so uh, that's uh, I think a a little, a little bit unusual. I'm, I'm lucky for mm-hmm. you. One of my questions is when you when you started doing the research, um why did you why do you think you ended up on the sort of plant side plant powerful rather than some mm-hmm. of the other narratives that are maybe equally compelling like paleo or detox you know as you're, you're you're not a scientist right you're just uh, you're no. you're reading stuff you're, you're trying things trying it out. out and as a non scientist mm-hmm. you know i i found that you know, T. Colin Campbell's narratives were very convincing, but so were the mm-hmm. narratives in a bunch of other books that I now regard as as far less uh, reliable. But at the time, as I was mm-hmm. reading them, you know, Grain Brain and Wheat Belly and and some of the paleo books and some of the things that my um, chiropractor who's based in Chinese medicine was telling me, seemed mm-hmm. just as good. What, what do you think? Uh, did you try all that stuff or was it just sort of a, an affinity?
1: I think what it was is I was already eating a lot of animal products and I wasn't feeling well. And at the time, this was a while ago, so paleo and green brain and wheat belly and all that stuff was not out yet. Um, there really even wasn't a lot of information on the internet quite yet. And it's one of the reasons I started the site is because I was raised on really rich, delicious, comforting food. And I was finding that the alternatives for plant, plant-based plant foods at the time were just not, they weren't that good to me. So I wanted to figure out good recipes that work. But back then, I, I guess it really had to do a lot with the people I was surrounded by. And I knew that what I was currently eating wasn't working Um, because I also had all kinds of other health issues. It wasn't just about healing my foot. So I wanted to clean it up, and I started more on the detoxing front. I started out with raw foods and detoxing my body because I kind of just wanted to start from scratch and then clean it up and start adding the foods I was currently eating back in to see what was and wasn't working for me, so basically elimination diet style stuff. And the people I was around at the time were highly plant-based, and I just gave it a go, and I couldn't believe how amazing my body felt eating the plant-based foods. And and my issues and symptoms were also going away from eating the plant-based foods. So the reason I stuck with that route is because it worked for me, and it continues to work for me.
0: Gotcha. So I'm, I'm imagining mm-hmm. that there must have been some sort of tension building because, you know, reading your book mm-hmm. and – Getting a sense of, of you as a person, you're an artist, mm-hmm. you're, you're mm-hmm. into sort of crazy travel, you, yeah. you go to a lot of concerts. You, you seem to be a person who's really into a very pleasure filled life. And and as you were healing, you were doing so in, in many ways, moving away from the pleasures that you had known and into a world of, as you say, you know carob replacing chocolate and, and right. a, real, a really bleak <laughs> culinary landscape. Right. I still I mm-hmm. still have cookbooks from those from uh, I'm not sure exactly what year this was, but for me, sort of the late 90s, you know, I had mm-hmm. a couple of yeah. books and I had a couple of recipes in those cookbooks that were pretty good and the, and the rest was sort of you know, hold your nose or compromise. So how, is, right. is that how you felt like you, that you were moving into health and away from pleasure?
1: I didn't. Uh, I didn't think about it that way. I thought I was moving towards health, and that itself was a form of pleasure. I was feeling better, and that was such a motivator for me. But at the same time, like you said, there were only a few books out at the time when I was changing, and I was really disappointed in the options of what there was to eat. But because I have the creative background, I decided that I was going to figure out how to make foods and recipes using the health boosting ingredients. Um, and just be a little creative with it. I saw it as a creative challenge. So I just started taking old family recipes and figuring out what I could swap to make them with health-boosting whole food ingredients instead of the processed junk. Um, so I, I didn't look at it as I was moving away from pleasure. I was just moving towards a different type. I was just moving towards a different type of happiness and fulfillment, mm. if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and I and I love that you enlisted your strengths, right? Your your sort of mm-hmm. creativity and willingness to try things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think. You, yeah, I wasn't
1: going to go ahead. No, I just I, I wasn't going to settle for cardboard tasting food because I think food can be a really wonderful experience and what we eat should taste great, but it also should benefit our body. And I just, I had to figure it out because I wanted to feel good and I knew I had to eat these foods, but I also wasn't going to sacrifice taste or creativity at all. So I just kind of had to pave my own way. And then I created this binder full of hundreds of recipes and I decided I had to share it because I couldn't be the only one out there. I wanted really delicious plant-based food recipes. So that's how I started the site. I just started translating all that stuff from the binder onto the, onto younguniverse.com.
0: Sure. So what, one of the things you say early on is that you aren't a big proponent of people labeling themselves as mm-hmm. X or Y, as vegan or paleo or, or whatever. Why is that? What's the problem with labels?
1: I think labels keep a lot of people who could benefit from the certain approaches from actually starting. Um, I think they're all a little bit, They you know, people look at paleo and it seems maybe a little too restricted for people or they look at veganism and it seems a little politically charged. And it keeps, I think, so many people from trying out those approaches where I think that with all of these diets that are out there, the common denominator and the thing that I think most people can agree on is that we all need more plant-based whole foods in our diet to feel better and, and healthier and to thrive. And I think that that's more important than finding a label that you can you can put on yourself.
0: Hmm. So uh, speaking of not not labeling, um, you also your 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 book um, and your lifestyle is also basically gluten free Mm -hmm. um, and -hmm. and soy free. So those are I know those are very contentious issues in the plant based (laughs) world. Where mm-hmm. you know, so you, you even have a uh, a reference to um, to uh, wheat belly, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, around the hybridized wheat, and mm-hmm. so I'm wondering, you know, how, how you how you navigate that and how you tell other people to navigate that because there's you know there's a there's a large part of the plant based movement that sees the gluten free as a sneak attack as somehow, you know, an attack on mm-hmm. grains that we should, you know, that grains are bad and that we should just be eating lots of, of, um, you know, animal proteins. So how, mm-hmm. how, how do you navigate you know, that, that, uh, that issue?
1: I try really hard not to tell people, even though I have this book about plant based approach, I don't really want to tell people that they have to eat a certain way. And I feel that for a lot of people, Gluten and, you know, even coconut oil is another one where there's a camp that's for it and there's a camp that's against it. Mm-hmm. But I think that you have to see how your own body reacts to these things and not just how you feel, but get blood work done and work with, you know, a medical professional to find out that what's working for you and what isn't. And for me personally, not eating gluten and not eating soy, those are personal choices because I know how my body feels when I eat them and how it feels when I don't. Um so I like to provide the information for people to try it out and see how how their body feels. But I don't want to say necessarily that you shouldn't eat gluten because I do think there are some people out there who can tolerate gluten just fine. Um same goes for soy. For me personally, I struggle with both of those. And I think in the you know it comes down to that I have to I've been working on rebuilding my digestion in general, and so those foods are trigger foods for uh, you know bad digestion. so
0: Hmm. So, so one, one of the things you say is that the the advantages of a plant powerful diet is that you develop a healthy, um, an informed relationship with food. And mm-hmm. when you say relationship, like you you think of that pretty liter- literally, like, mm-hmm. like your relationship I do. with food is like your relationship with a, with a life partner. Talk mm-hmm. talk, talk about
1: I, I, that. I definitely do. If you think about it. You know, how we think about food starts from when we're young and we're, we're with our families and there are traditions and emotions that are attached to food. I mean, it's it's hard and, it, and it's hard to go out in social situations with family and friends and they're, you know, eating a certain way and you're not anymore. It, it, there's so much more around the decision to go plant-based or to eat more plant-based foods than just what's on your plate. And so I think that we have to address, you know, the bad habits that we brought along with us. We have to focus on how to change those in a healthy way. And a lot of times you really do have to think about it from an emotional standpoint. Like a lot of people will delay starting a plant-based diet or eating more whole foods because it's not the right time. When really, if you're honest with yourself, that's an excuse that you're making. You know, it's never going to be a perfect time. You have to just start. So... Mm -hmm
0: right and you and you you give some great examples of the f- processed food industry's marketing as you know and, yeah. then, and then relating them as if as if they were a person like mm-hmm. with all this come on all, like like you know the, you have a, a a great photograph of like very very colorful processed foods and then the other mm-hmm. half of the photograph is black and white and you see just how right. unappealing it is you know and mm-hmm. I, I was thinking if, if if food is like a person Boy, that, mm-hmm. that person is like, you know, wearing eight pounds of makeup. <laughs> like what? You know. Ha- right.
1: It's a facade. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, 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 uh, they're hiding something hideous, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is why they feel the need to shout so loud when you're at the grocery store. You know, if they're confident about their food, they don't have to, they don't have to shout and make all these claims and trying to convince you into what's great. You just walk into the produce aisle It's beautiful and simple and doesn't need to shout at you like you like you like what happens when you walk down the cereal aisle, you know.
0: Right. And so I I keep (laughs) I keep going over this like because I'd never thought of it before until until I um, I read Mm -hmm. Yum Universe that, Mm -hmm. you know, the 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 analogy of being in a relationship with someone mm-hmm. who is not a, you know, who's, who's selfish, who's not looking mm-hmm. for your interests at all, but who mm-hmm. you who know, is very sort of seductive, like, mm-hmm. you, like you can,
1: and they're like, blatantly lying to you. They're blatantly lying to you as well.
0: You, yeah, you know, it's like, well, why are you still in this relationship? You know, and all all, right. the, all <laughs> the reasons people give for not le- not leaving unsatisfying, all the way up to abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm sort of having this cascade effect of like all the things I've heard for people saying about why they can't leave their standard American diet. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, you say that uh, any any relationship that's not based on honesty is going to be either short lived or painful. And mm-hmm. boy, boy, that is exactly a, a great metaphor for for food. Mm. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. So. When you started uh, changing,
1: um,
0: you you, you needed the courage to have different have conversations with people who didn't understand what you were doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And you also needed to develop a, a baseline understanding so that this this loud, dishonest marketing couldn't get to you anymore. How did you go about you know, developing your own inner confidence so that you could withstand the the siren song that had been so appealing up to that point.
1: I this is a this is a multi layered one. I've I've always had a pretty solid questioning of authority, much to my parents' dismay, I'm sure, as a as a kid. But I've always questioned whether just because someone's telling me something, you know who's more of an authority figure, whether that's true or not. Um, so I've always been curious. So I guess when I started to make these changes with my diet and feel the, the benefit, that was more important to me than listening to any other voices. Um, does that answer your question?
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it, sounds, it sounds like it was about self-trust.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, definitely
0: self-trust. Was, was that I
1: just th- knew that I, I knew my instincts were telling me to go in this direction, and my body was telling me that this was the right direction for me. And I just had to keep going there and experiencing the benefits more um, to help solidify that momentum for moving forward. Just keep moving forward. And I would fall off track, and then I would get back on track, and instead of beating myself up or falling off track, I would I would learn a lesson, and I would focus on what that lesson was and how I, you know, how did I feel when I ate the gluten after I was off it for three weeks? You know, And instead of sitting there and wallowing and that I made a mistake and I fell off track and throwing up my hands, I just would really focus on how bad I felt so that I could move forward next time when I was reaching for the bread at the restaurant, I would think, oh, remember how bad you felt? And it was just a little bit easier to keep going that way.
0: Mm, that remind, reminds me of one of my favorite lines from a, a book on change called Change Anything. It says, turn, turn, okay. turn a bad day into good data. Yeah, it's <laughs> great. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it sounds like some, some part of you, some part of your personality mm-hmm. was very much attuned to trusting yourself to, yes. um, you know, e- even in the face of, of various quote authority figures, was there a part of you mm-hmm. that, that wasn't that had to that had to grow some muscles in order to, to, to trust your own experience as opposed to something you'd found externally?
1: I can say no, but that comes down to a personality thing. I know that's not the case for everyone else. I've always been very driven and I love to throw myself into a pitch outside of my comfort zone and, and make it. Um, I've always done that. Like even when I moved to Chicago, I had half a job and like just enough money to cover the rent, but my heart was telling me my instincts were telling me to go to Chicago, so I packed up the cats and sold my truck and moved to Chicago and made it work. and it was a wonderful experience. So I think just dialing into your instincts. Is what's really important. I've always been able to do that very well. I know that's not easy for everyone, but it, but like anything, it, it takes practice. And so that's what I think is, is important.
0: Mm-hmm. See, I was I was wondering about that because you know you're you're a a role model and a leader of a community that that you formed, right? The Yum Universe community. Mm-hmm. You you write a lot about the importance of community and of social. Mm-hmm. Structure and the importance of the Yum Universe community to your own journey mm-hmm. and your own work. How mm-hmm. do you how do you help? And and I think you are very unusual in having that kind of guts and um, and trust in yourself. How do you help people who follow you, who are inspired by you? You know, to to not just turn you into their latest guru, but to develop their their own inner compass.
1: Mm-hmm. I think I start, I never really talk about that I'm 100%, that I'm right all the time and that I'm flawless. I definitely think it's important to acknowledge that I'm me and you're you, and I can help you with certain steps, but, you know, my life is very different from someone else's life. Like, I don't have um, children, for example, so if I talk about being really busy, it's very different than the busy for the mom who's got three kids, so I try to bring it back To to the simple, how can I help you? I'm not coming from a place that I have all the answers. I have a lot of experience and a lot of ideas, and I think sharing them is, is the way to really help people. And then keeping that communication open, like I'm constantly asking questions of people to see what they're struggling with so I can come up with some kind of solution for them. Um, it's a back and forth kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I'm not on some kind of pedestal. I really do look at it like these are my people and we're helping each other. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. So well,
0: it's, it's, it's certainly a very, it makes you very approachable.
1: Oh, I guess. I hope so. But that <laughs> that is my approach.
0: <laughs> so, um, <laughs> You mention um, a lot of the sort of re- research parents of the plant-based movement, of the modern plant-based movement. You know, people, mm-hmm. people you've studied. Um, you have a lot mm-hmm. of quotes from from Whole, um, mm-hmm. and you 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 mentioned Dr. Campbell, Esselstyn, McDougall, Furman, Barnard, and I'm mm-hmm. curious. You know, they're they all are nuanced differently from each other. So mm-hmm. Estelson will yep. say no oil whatsoever. Uh, right. McDougall doesn't think that salt is much of a problem. Furman downplays grains in favor of, of greens. Um, mm-hmm. how, how do you handle those nuanced differences and how do you guide your followers to deal with it? Because I know it, it can For people who then enter the movement, these little differences can feel very significant and they can feel very confusing.
1: Mm, That is true. Um, I think the starting point, though, and this is why I mention them in the book, is to become familiar with them and familiar with their work. And you have to work out those nuances yourself by trying their approach and by working with someone who can do your blood work and you can see how you respond. While I really respect what Esselstyn does and what, um, T. Colin Campbell talks about. I know that they're very anti oil, but for me personally, I found through blood tests and before and after that having some oil in my diet is more beneficial for me. So this is where being informed, having that informed platform to start from and then going and figuring out what works best for you is, is, is the best starting point. Um, I can't say whether no oil is great for everyone. I know there are some people who go no oil, and they're in fantastic shape. For me, when I took it out of my diet, I got into some trouble um, with my cholesterol and my thyroid. And when I put it back in, everything was better. So it's just different for everyone. And that's one of those things. And and I talk a lot about this accountability for your health. You know, it's, it's so important to read all the different approaches, see what's resonating, glean out what works and try it and actually see what works best
0: for you. So, hmm. That's, yeah, that's very empowering advice. Because um, hmm. I think, you know, one, one of the things I see is that so someone like you who really dials in to mm-hmm. a particular type of eating, and you're, you're not thriving on it. Is, mm-hmm. you know, for a lot of people is then they they end up completely disillusioned and abandoning it altogether, you know, like mm-hmm. like a jilted lover and just, you know, going, right, you know totally. going out, you know, riding motorcycles downtown at 3 a.m. to the wrong bars, you know, like mm-hmm. yeah. you know, most most of the people I, I read who are sort of violently anti plant based used to be like mm-hmm. raw vegan.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's where I, you know, you can, it's so noisy out there and it's overwhelming how noisy it is. But the more you dial it back into yourself and stop focusing on what everyone else is saying, the the clearer the path will be. Um, Like I think of, there are so many people out there who were, you know, Vegan, and now they're not, and then everyone sends all these mean comments to them and hate mail. And really, they should be taking that energy and pointing it towards themselves to make the changes with themselves that they need to do instead of trying to blame people who are trying to find their way. So,
0: right, right. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a complicated set of issues. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the especially the ethical vegan community, I think, yeah, for, sure. all, for all their fervor. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 welcome mat is very small, <laughs> right. and you have to wait. Or
1: there are a lot of rules. There's yeah. just, there are a lot of rules. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, um, and you know I love that you. One of the first things, one of the first recipes you have is um, I guess the, the first one is the the training wheel green smoothie. And I was I, right. I, I had to look twice because you had uh, honey as an option. Right. So mm-hmm. which made me think, OK, so this is this is not a, um, a diehard ethical vegan. This is someone who is, mm-hmm. uh, who's coming at it from a slightly different place.
1: Yeah. And I also throughout the book, I want this to appeal to everyone. So with every recipe, you are not going to use honey. I have alternatives for you. There are nothing but alternatives with every recipe in this book. So if you have a if you're really, you know, adhering to a strict way of eating, you can swap it out and the recipe is
0: still good. Right. So, Now, and, and one of the things I, I got is that you're not just doing this for yourself. You have a strong environmental ethic. You have a strong animal mm-hmm. welfare ethic that for you, it's mm-hmm. it's possible to to not have to uh, go 100 percent ethical vegan to still have um, good values.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So one of the things you talk about is you've got Mm -hmm. the why, you know, your reasons for doing Mm -hmm. it. And then you and that's like one side of of one bank of the river. The other bank of the river Mm -hmm. is eat actually doing it. Mm -hmm. And then the bridge Mm -hmm. is the how. And it, it feels like your book is mostly a very, very detailed step by step how.
1: I think the reason I wrote the book is I think that that's what people need the most help with. Thanks to the internet and thanks to all the incredible books out there. The, the information for why you want to consider eating more plants is there. If you want it, you just have to go out and get it It's there. And then there are lots of really great recipes out there as well. Um, you know, just on Pinterest alone, it's, it's crazy how many you can find, but the how is definitely the heart of the journey. That's where you need to learn. That's, the transition and the maintenance, and that's what sustains the journey for the long haul. And so you have to know how to change habits, you know, how to quiet the sugar demon when it's telling you to eat all the cookies, you know, how to prep your kitchen for success, how to shop, how to save money, um, all of the things that you need to do on a day-to-day basis and, you know, habits you need to build that will compound over the long haul. That's what people really need to help with. So that's why the majority of the book is. It's all
0: about the how. Right. So, so I I love um, that you bring in a theoretical framework around mm-hmm. the research on how people actually change. That you you know one of my favorite books mm-hmm. is *The Power of Habit*, which you you go right. into in some in some detail about how to make things mm-hmm. stick. Uh, mm-hmm. And also this idea of you know start with one little thing and mm-hmm. and be successful at it. So the you mm-hmm. know just add a green smoothie every day.
1: Hmm. Um. Yes, the small. I think it's important to start small so that you can actually build the habits. When you do the all or nothing, it's easy to become overwhelmed. You know, momentum's like a muscle, and it takes practice. And if you overwork it, it's going to burn out. So it's better to just take those little steps and build those muscles over time. Um, and then you also, if you're taking on the smaller steps. You can really dial in and pay attention to what's happening as you're making those smaller changes. You're just, if you're just more intimately acquainted with your journey when you're doing it bit by bit versus just jumping in all at once. You miss all the details if you just jump in all at
0: once. Mm-hmm. And then and then if something happens to not work for you and it's just one little part of it, you may end up jettisoning mm-hmm. the whole thing because you, you, you ran a an experiment that wasn't it wasn't right enough for you to learn anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: You have to it, have this experience. You can't the quick, fast and easy mentality that we all kind of suffer from. It just needs to be shelved because it's not working. You know, you have to make time to cook your food. You have to dial in. You have to slow down and pay attention. And it's really hard this you know, in this day and age. But it's what what's one of the most important things you can do if you're really trying to have vibrant health. It just is. Right.
0: Now you you said something that uh, that struck me um personally in terms of, of my own habits. Mm-hmm. So I do take time to cook. I do take time to like go for walks and you know, and, and be mm-hmm. reflexive and meditate sometimes. But mm-hmm. one thing I don't take time to do is shop. So, like mm. you said, like slow down <laughs> in the supermarket. I, I'm like, you know, right. little, little old ladies have to fear me because I just want to you know, <laughs> get in and out. So it, it, it really, it hadn't occurred to me until you said that that actually, you know, gathering the foodstuffs could be mm-hmm. um, a, a generative meditative. Um, wholesome experience as opposed to something to get done as quickly as possible.
1: Right. You just have to change your lens. It really can be enjoyable. It really can. And you're becoming acquainted with new ingredients. Like if you're just racing through the store, you're going to miss out on a lot of cool opportunities or things that you may have not tried before that, look odd in the produce aisle, just throw it in in your cart and, and try it. But if you're racing through, now, granted, after you've been doing this for a while and you've got to get in and out and you know what you need, then, you know, racing through every now and then is fine as long as your choices are smart ones. But in order to get to that point where you're always making smart choices, it takes a little time. Again, you're creating a relationship with all of these, you know... Potential partners at the, at the
0: grocery store. Right. So that's, that's another. It takes time
1: time. That's speed dating. Yes, yes,
0: I love. It's another reason you don't you don't get married. At, you know, drive your right. uh, your produce wagon to, to Las Vegas and get married. You know you. Want
1: right. To right. Try it
0: out. <laughs> what a what a great metaphor. You could you could start a um, you know foodharmony dot and have people date their, right. date
1: their food. <laughs> right
0: That's funny. <laughs> so um something else i noticed is that there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of areas where you back up what you say with science and there's a bunch of areas mm-hmm. where you don't and you and you just say something like i'm suspicious of microwaves and mm-hmm. so you're um and and actually i found that almost all of the things that you said like that i i agree with mm-hmm. um so just you know sort of Sympatico. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't really talk about publicly, because I don't want to confuse people. And I, th- I know a lot of right. people for whom the microwave would mean the difference between eating produce and not eating produce. Um, right. But I'm curious about um, those areas where something just makes sense to you. You said the whole journey started with, um, with four words that your acupuncturist said, we, we are not cows, mm-hmm. that before you mm-hmm. had done any research just made gut sense. And so yep. I'm wondering how you um, how you use your gut sense for areas where the research isn't clear. Mm-hmm.
1: I tend, okay, and there's the, a the thing that I was finding when I was researching for the book in just the past five years of the site in general. You can find so many studies that support a certain decision and you can find just as many that take it down. And that's where I think people get really confused, especially online, because everybody's trying to get lots of clicks online, so they'll say something controversial about a study that has been proven time and time again to be beneficial, you know, so it's, it's really confusing out there. So one of the things that I tend to do is something I learned in a detox a long time ago that really think about what Mother Nature created for us and how we're supposed to, how we're supposed to eat based on that. If we were to take away all the food science and all the food manufacturing facilities, and the microwaves and the technology that make things better for our glorified, busy lives, if we were to strip all of that away, how are we supposed to be eating? So I use that as, as, a, as a guideline. The simpler, the better. It comes from the earth. It's natural. It's whole. And if you're going to heat it, heat it like you would naturally, you know, from the outside in, not like a microwave from the inside out where you're ripping apart molecules. It just seems wrong to me. Um as far as connected with Earth and how we're supposed to eat, not to get woo-woo, but that's you know that's kind of how I look at it.
0: Yeah, and you know, as, as I was working on on whole with Dr. Campbell, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there were there was never-ending layers of of holism, and you know, the, so mm-hmm. we, we were working on food, but as we were doing it. You know, just I got infected by the, the holism bug, and I began to think about right. the entire ecosystem and our mm-hmm. entire lives, and and yeah, that there's you know that that that, that we live in a microwave culture, right? In, mm-hmm. which, um, in which we're taking shortcuts, and you know, again, you mentioned cell phones and you know cell towers mm-hmm. and all, and all this other stuff, um, right? Yeah, that there's just that there's there's something that doesn't feel right to me about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, could could I like write a book about microwaves? No. But right. can, does, does that mean that, you know, if we don't if we don't have um, absolute proof that I shouldn't act on it or uh, or represent my views? Mm-hmm. You know, I think one- yeah,
1: because you'll find. Yeah, it's I just like to keep it simple. When things start to get really crazy and confusing with the conflicting stories, it just bring it back to simple and whole and where it started from before humans started
0: changing it all up. <laughs> right. Anything you know? Anything that we, that, we that, 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 that didn't work a thousand years ago probably doesn't work now right. for very long. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I like what you said about you know the a lot of the noise is called caused by people just trying to get eyeballs and clicks by just yep. saying something controversial um, i mm-hmm. have on my desktop I'm, I'm i'm going through it's quite quite a long paper but it's called um, towards a phenomenology of sociology and a sociology of phenomenology which i would never <laughs> in my life would have opened but somebody recommended it to me and, luck, and luckily the, the actual headline of the paper is that's interesting Right. And it, 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 it looks at what is the difference between interesting theories and non interesting theories. And the answer mm-hmm. is that interesting theories are those which deny certain assumptions of their audience, while non interesting mm-hmm. theories are those which affirm certain assumptions of their audience. Mm-hmm. So that if we want to be interesting, the thing we've got to do yeah. is take the biggest truth that's out there and mm-hmm. deny it. Or, you know, mm-hmm. and we see this a lot with like, you know, you, headlines that may end it's up
1: happening all the time. Just spend any time on Facebook even. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: So, so our brains, I guess, are, are trained to look for the interesting thing. like, you know, mm-hmm. um, kale is the new killer, you know.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's,
0: that's, that's something <laughs> we'll click on.
1: Mm-hmm. But that's where you need to question whether whoever is saying this to me, are they really someone I want to be in a relationship with? Because it seems a little extreme that Kale would be a killer. You know, look for that. How extreme of a statement is being made?
0: Right. And, and very, you know, and very often it's, you know, it's just like the headline, like, you know, viral Nova or Upworthy or BuzzFeed or any of these mm-hmm. these headlines that mm-hmm. we just have to click through because mm-hmm. our lives will feel incomplete unless we follow it. Most of the time, right. it's, it's just, you know, clickbait to get us to read something. But, but there's people who've made their careers out of mm-hmm. questioning things that seem pretty solid.
1: Yeah, that's true, too.
0: So I think one of the challenges for someone like you, a food writer and blogger, is how to be interesting without being interesting in that way, without having to be um, a contrarian every Mm -hmm. step of the way. How how do you do that? How do you um, how do you consciously or unconsciously stay interesting for people who've been following you for a while and might go, okay, I I, I understand, Heather. I know where she's coming from.
1: I really just try to stay as real and authentic as possible and try not to get, try not to put my energy into all of that, that mess that's going on right now. Um, It's hard though. Um, I just think that really talking, having a really solid understanding of who my audience is and asking them questions that, you know, they're going to engage in, just really thinking about, these, my community, I never think of them as like numbers that I'm achieving or anything like that that a lot of bloggers tend to do. I really like to think they're human beings and they're going through this this journey that can last a lifetime. And I want to really just be authentic and, and talk with them. And I'm just going to keep doing that. I don't want to compromise my approach at all um, to keep up with all of the demands online. And I think that if people... I just want to, the people who are going to appreciate what I say, that's who I want to keep talking to. I'm just going to keep talking to them. They're going to be people who aren't going to like what I have to say, and there's plenty more for them to go do. They don't have to spend time with me at all. Um, I just want to be myself and share what I learn and be as honest and authentic as I can be. And the people who are supposed to dial into that, they will.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. I've um, spent a, a career in online marketing, and there's so, yeah. there's so many ways to measure things, and so much to measure mm-hmm. that the, there's definitely a danger of becoming a sort of you know another notch in my belt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. You know, publisher, mm-hmm. where, where all I'm concerned about is the numbers and the clicks, as opposed to the way you so beautifully put it. These are these are human mm-hmm. beings that this technology has given you the privilege of being in relationship with.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the reason, you know, one of the reasons I also went towards young universe is I wanted to have just more of a connected life with other people. And I, you know, I was working at this design firm for a long time before, and it, I was chasing these awards and clients and, you know, doing all of this great work, but it just didn't touch my soul or spirit at all and I it just felt wrong and I think that's part of how I ended up getting sick as I did I was just on this hamster wheel and not I just wasn't dialed in so it just is just much more this is how I want to spend my time is you know talking with these people and hearing what they have to say and trying to help them on this, on this crazy journey we're all on
0: right on so, I want to get to a couple of the, um, the hows that you, sure. that you share. So, one, one of them is there's a page with, um, you're, you're, you're kind of into um, mason jars.
1: Yeah, mason jars are great. <laughs> I know that all the things on Facebook say that they're on their way out, but I don't think so. They're great. Are they?
0: That's terrible. Well,
1: I, well, like... it's for the click, for clickbait, you know. Oh,
0: right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to go check that. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got an entire like kitchen um, cabinet devoted just to empty I, mason jars.
1: I do too. My basement, I have boxes and boxes of them. Like bottles, I can't throw away bottles. My friend sees me. I just I save jars and bottles for everything.
0: Right. I've, but I've they al- get used. <laughs> I've also uh, I don't know if you're if you're like this, but I've tried every type of of lid that that's out there. From the 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 standard, wow. the standard ones to the Tattlers to the you know the easy open close white plastic ones for storing spices. I, that's like
1: wow, I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. I just use whatever is attached to it, but that's... there, there you go. I'm planted a seed.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, have a, I have a friend who's the. Who helped found a company that that produces like pr- protection for for iPhones and for athletes? It's this really cool okay. high tech material. So I'm dying to get him to create one for like wide mouth quart mason jars so I can take them through oh. my water.
1: <laughs> that would be great. That would be great.
0: <laughs> but you you use the mason jars specifically for some you know, like, like uh, food hacks, right? You've got your, mm-hmm. uh, your salad on the go and breakfast on the go. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how those came about and what they are?
1: Sure. I think that um, I really, you know, when I, we talk about the making one change at a time, I think this is a great place to start. Um, I love the idea of making, foods in advance, either finding one day or, you know, an hour every, no- a couple nights a week to make food in advance and to prep your ingredients in advance. So when, you know, that rushed morning comes where you're rushed, rushing off to the office, you can just grab something that's already prepared for you. So, it's some jars. You can make uh, cereals in advance and place them in the jars. And you can also do the same with salads. And in the book, I show you how to layer um all sorts of different types of salads um, that you can make up for probably five to seven days in advance. and put a whole bunch of those in the fridge and then you just grab one and when you get to work, you shake it up and you can eat right out of the jar. You get a big enough jar or you can shake it up and dump it into a bowl that's at work or wherever you're headed to. So and with the cereals, Sorry, go ahead. I was
0: going to say about the salads, is the layering the key? Because mm-hmm. oh, sometimes I'll make a big salad for dinner, and then mm-hmm. by the next day or lunch the day after, it's starting to get slimy, and the, right. the lettuce is you know waving the white mm-hmm. flag, and it kind of wants to become compost. So how do you get it to last sure. so long? The,
1: the layering is key. So the first layer, which is at the bottom, is where your liquids will go. So if you've made a homemade dressing or you've got a clean store-bought dressing or you're just going to use, like, coconut aminos or balsamic vinegar or something, you put that on the bottom layer. And then from there, you build up layering, um you know, things, ingredients that would soak up the dressing, which would actually be good and kind of marinate, like, you know, radishes or artichokes or mushrooms, and then the next layer is more light and crunchy stuff, like, um, you know, lentils, sprouts, or tomatoes, cucumbers, sprouted quinoa, and then the final layer is where you keep all of the stuff that's more susceptible to sogginess, like the leaves and other sprouts. Those are on the top layer, so they're at the opposite end of the mason jar than the liquid, and you just store them all, you know, upright, and you take them to work upright, and then... Shake them up when you get to the office or wherever you're headed, the airport, wherever.
0: Good. So I've never, I've never done one of these, but I'm imagining it looks. It could look a little bit like one of those um, sand art things you can buy in the gift yeah,
1: store. Yeah, it's very much like that. It's totally like that, and they're very pretty. And it's also a great way because I also talk about eating a lot of variety and a lot of color in your food. So it's a great way to look and see: Do I have some red in there? Do I have some green in there? You know, and just to get that variety and that rainbow food nice. in the mason
0: jar. So I'm guess I'm guessing your your life as a designer still comes in really handy. Like like you have, you, have, <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have like an aesthetic <laughs> hurdle that you have to um, achieve to for for a, a dish to uh, to meet your your needs, right?
1: would say for the book yes but at home no i'll throw everything together in a skillet and you know or in a roasting pan and just eat it up and sometimes it's you know not as pretty as i make it look for the book but (laughs) if you can hear yeah (laughs) i'm not perfect (laughs)
0: all right so so that's salads what about breakfasts on the go so i'll often make you know an oatmeal and Mm -hmm. like i'm i'm like pulling the family, like, you know, like, under the door, do you want oatmeal, do you want steel cut or regular right. do cinnamon or right. blueberries, And then then I'll kind of get a consensus. And I'll try to figure out how much to make. And okay. there will be like a cup and a half left over. And by one in the afternoon, it kind of looks like, you know, cement. So how do you? Okay. How, how do you do breakfast that way?
1: All right. So if everyone's running out the door, maybe a day or two in advance, when everyone's together, maybe on the weekend or something, Make a, a bunch of these jars pre-made, but what you're doing is you're leaving the liquid out. So you'll put your, you know, sprouted buckwheat groats or oats or you know um, any kind of dry grain that you want to put in the in, and layer it up with you know chia seeds, dried fruit, um, toasted chopped nuts. Um, anything that would go into your oatmeal you just wait until you get wherever you're going and you put hot water or lukewarm water or whatever in there shake it up and it will just become cereal for you
0: gotcha so so it's, um it takes a f- some degree of planning time right you, so you have, a smidge
1: you have, of planning time you mm-hmm. have what
0: you call a self-care day to take care of all that stuff
1: yeah absolutely yeah i i, I Everyone's different. I always set aside one day a week to plan in advance, but I know some people don't really have that, so it's important to at least find like two to three hours a week where you can prep some of these things in advance. It does not take long at all. It takes probably 10 minutes to make those cereals if you wanted to make five or 10 of them and put them in the pantry in advance. It doesn't take long at all. If you have all the ingredients, just taking a handful here and a handful there and putting them in the jar, sealing it putting it away Same with the salads it probably takes 15 20 minutes max to prep I don't know five or six salads that you can keep in the fridge everybody can find that time you just have to make it a priority
0: gotcha and you know the the step-by-step in, um, uh, instructions in the book and also the fact that you you know there's infinite possibilities but you give people one recipe mm-hmm. to start I think it yes. is is, yes. is really empowering
1: Cool. Yeah, like with the sauces, I like to show how many different ways you can you can make a veggie-based sauce. I mean, cauliflower, sweet potatoes, tomatoes, kale. You can make all sorts of sauces out of all of those things. But just start with a base formula.
0: Mm-hmm. So, uh, Yum Universe is that your first book? It is. How did you go from blogger to to cookbook author? And has it has it been a, a, a big transition or a, a big meaningful shift for you or not so much?
1: Um, no, very meaningful shift. Um, because I wrote the book because the community was asking for it. Um, I spent about five years working on the site, sharing recipes and resources and tips and stuff. And the community was just asking for a print book. They were just those people that were like, I love you know, working on my, having my iPad out in the kitchen, but it'd be so great if I could actually have pages I could write on or like a dog ear. Um, and I just, I wanted to get the majority of what I was sharing online into a book because I know that some people just prefer to read a book. So I decided, I decided to do it a couple of years ago and I'm really happy that I did. It was one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Um, there were definitely a lot of moments where I didn't think I could, pull it off. Uh, But I'm really proud of it. And the response has been great. So I'm really happy I did it. That's
0: great. So did you did you approach Ben Bella? Or did they come to you? Was it introduced? by? How
1: did that happen? I I decided that I wanted to write the book. So I made uh, made up a proposal and I got an agent. And then we approached Ben Bella. But I knew I wanted to approach Ben Bella because I really respect the book. That they put out, and I definitely also went with them because they gave me the creative freedom to make the book that I wanted, exactly how I wanted. So
0: fantastic! Um, mm-hmm. and it's, as I said, it's a it's a gorgeous book. It's, re- thank it's really thank you. It's really <laughs> thank <heavy>. you. And <laughs> I also, I also, I love how a lot of the pictures um, aren't. Like, they don't show a perfect kitchen. Like there's, there's,
1: Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> there's mess, there's like
0: stuff dripping down the sides. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's real. It's real. It's my kitchen, it's my kitchen. All of, and all these little photos of stuff like the mandolin slicer and the spatulas and stuff, those are my things. So. I,
0: I love this picture. I'm just thumbing through it now. It looks like it's, a, it's like a, a mantle um on, on the on the wall with just some produce on it a couple of apples and onions is that in your house
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yes that's me playing around and getting a little creative there but that is in my house there's a sweet potato plant on that mantle right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> i love that that's, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start you know I, one of the one of the challenges is um where to store all the produce so i'm just i'm gonna start looking at
1: right. this art <laughs> Just do it. Yeah,
0: have fun with it. Decorating my now. Now when when like someone wants an onion, it says, "Oh no, it's uh, you know, it's in the living room." Right. (laughs) I love that. so what are, you, what are you working on now? The book's out. you still have um, a thriving Young Universe community and blog? Is mm-hmm. any big mm-hmm. projects you're working on or just continuing with what you got?
1: I am. I'm working on some really big projects right now that are in the beginning stages that I'm hoping we'll have done in about, I'm hoping six months. In reality, it's probably nine. <laughs> um, but a really cool program that's going to help people do all sorts of stuff with plant-based diet, transitioning, baking, all that stuff. So I'm building a really cool thing right now that I'll, I'll be sharing with people. If anyone's interested, they can sign up on the site for my mailing list, my newsletter, I'll be announcing all the details
0: through there. Okay. Now, I, I always list this in the show notes, but there's a bunch of people who listen to this, um, just the audio, mm-hmm. and they will never visit the website. So mm-hmm. can you tell people how to find you and start following sure. you and stay in touch with what you're up to?
1: Yep, they can find me on yumuniverse.com, and then I'm on Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, and all those links are on yumuniverse.com. So they can find me there.
0: Awesome, and that's Y-U-M, yum, and then universe, just one word, dot .com.
1: That's right. It's always one word, cap Y, cap U, if you're ever writing it out.
0: <laughs> awesome. And I, and I love that uh, the acronym is U. Yes, to- I do, too. Did There's you, the design thing coming in, yeah. Did you <laughs> think of life. that? Did you think of that when you were choosing the name, or did that do you like, mm-hmm. oh, look at that, that works too?
1: I did because I, yeah, I definitely did. My branding is my old life, and um, I definitely was was thinking of that. And I also really believe it. Like, I just think that there are so many people out there that can help each other with this journey, and there are so many possibilities. And I love that the acronym was you, so mm-hmm. it made sense.
0: Well, it's it's a great thing when somebody who understands branding also understands that the the, the core of a brand is authenticity because it's it's like mm-hmm. you know the, the brand to some extent is the is your path of least resistance. This is like when you're not trying mm-hmm. to be anything, you are this mm-hmm. this Yum universe brand, that it's uh, it's very compelling.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm, thank you, thank you. That means a lot to me.
0: Well, Heather Crosby, thank you so much for taking the time. <laughs> thank been, you, it's, Howard. It's been really fun, and I'm really hungry now. So,
1: Oh, good. Very good. I've got some recipes for you in the book. So. Very good. And luckily, Black bean brownies.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. And luckily, it's it's that um, awkward time between lunch and dinner where I can go and start, start dreaming about my next meal.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Thanks so much. It was really fun.
0: Heather, be well.
1: Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Oh,
0: bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to that interview as much as I enjoyed conducting it. In the next couple of weeks, we have some more food-based shows. Next week, Tracy Russell is talking about the best green smoothies on the planet. The following week, Dr. Sharon Livingston takes us through emotional eating and how to deal with it and overcome it. And the week after that, Karen Page, the James Beard award-winning author of the Vegetarian Flavor Bible, is going to blow our minds about flavors and the difference between taste and flavor and uh, how the world of world-famous chefs is coming around to a much more plant-based cuisine than I could have imagined. So that's all coming up. I uh, hope you'll stay tuned for those. If you like the show and you want to lend a hand, one of the best ways is to go to iTunes and leave a review. You can also, of course, share this on all sorts of shows, social media, tell your friends about it. Um if you want to uh, go to plantyourself.com and you'll find a little donation bar on the sidebar, you can make a donation and help uh defray some of the costs of the show. And of course, you can go and support the guests by their books, check out their websites and um spread the word. Make great food for people. Uh plant yourself, get strong, and as always, be well, my friends.